Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Aren't y'all happy in here today? Yes, 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 yes. Thank you to our worship team for doing such an awesome job of welcoming us into the presence of the Lord. How many of you are thankful for our worship team? Why don't you give it up for them? Amen. You know, they, 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 uh, they do a lot of work to sound good, you know. They practice. They set all this stuff up. They, they do a lot to help you to come into the presence of the Lord. And I want you to understand that this morning, that they work hard behind the scenes when nobody's looking so that when everybody's looking, we can all come into the presence of the Lord together. So, amen. A uh, couple of quick announcements, and then I'm going to get into my my message this morning, my topic for conversation this morning. Um, just two quick announcements that I want to make you aware of. Number one, um, we we are we, we've been talking quite a bit as a leadership team, and and talking about how to not waste time during service on Sunday morning. Because we, we want to make sure that uh, that Jesus is exalted and that we spend the most of our time looking at him. So what we decided to do is put all of our announcements on slides before and after the service so that what I'm doing right now, we don't actually have to do every single Sunday. Does that make sense? So my first announcement is there are no more announcements. <laughs> Just kidding. Now, they're, they're, here's the thing. They're going to be on slides before and after the service. So if you come early like you're supposed to, you'll be able to see them on the screen. And then additionally, every Monday morning, an email gets sent out from our office. And our office administrator, Kelsey, does such an amazing job of getting those announcements in email format and sending directly to you uh, on Monday morning. So if you're not on our email list and you would like to be, visit hopeboon.com and, uh, and get signed up. That way, you can stay in the loop, okay? That way, we don't have to take five minutes and talk about everything that's happening, okay? I do want to make uh, mention of one specific thing that is coming, and this is in the month of, month of March. Claire, if you'd put it up on the screen, uh, Hope and Healing. Our next Hope and Healing service is coming March 18th, right here at 6 p.m. Uh, whoever that lady is will be here, I, I'm sure. And she, Just kidding. I don't know who that is. That's a stock photo. But that's a, we, we will be here in hot pursuit of the goodness of God uh, on, on March, chapter, uh, March 18th at 6 p.m. I'm telling you what, the anointing is strong and I'm all over the place. So March 18th at 6 p.m. I'm already in preacher mode. So, um, But listen, come out to that, okay? Make, put it on your calendar. Make, make the time and plan to attend because when we, when we have encounters with the Lord, we are changed and we are transformed. Some people have asked me, what is hope and healing all about? It's a vision that the Lord gave me years ago to create space in our church for God to move unhindered with no agenda. We come together, we worship, we minister, we make sure that every person that comes here that needs personal ministry gets prayed for. Uh, and, and we just, our whole agenda on these nights is to just seek God together and let the Holy Spirit move and do what he wants to. So if that sounds like a fun time for you, why don't you come out uh, March chapter 18th, okay? Verse 6, yeah, amen. Verse 6 p.m., amen. Oh, 
Lord of mercy. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a series today that I'm very excited about. Um, it, the series was born uh, or birthed out of the last several weeks of preaching. We've been talking through our vision, which uh, the Lord gave to us as a ministry, and we announced it at the beginning of February. You've seen it on all the different banners and stuff. We have hope for strong families. We have hope for transformation, and we have hope for our community. And, uh, and I introduced that on February the 6th, last month, just a month ago, and then spent the remainder of February talking about that vision. And last week, I landed on hope for our community and identified 10 things, 10 indicators from Acts chapter 2 that I believe are crucial and critical uh, to healthy, godly community within a church. And so uh, at, the, at the conclusion of my message last week, the Lord really just laid it on my heart. Hey, you need to spend some more time in this. You need to spend some more time talking about healthy community. You need to spend time talking about what church life and community life is supposed to look like from the Bible's perspective. And so I felt really led and impressed by the Holy Spirit to do that. And so, so today I'm going to start that as a series. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2. The name of the series is Community Matters. You can put this awesome graphic up on the screen. If you were a child that was born in the 80s and grew up in the 90s, you know exactly what this slide references. That's right. Whatever happened to predictability? The milkman, the paper boy, even in TV. Everywhere you look. That's a different one. Uh, anyways, that's Full House. Anyways, if you grew up, who, watch, who grew up watching Steve Urkel? Lana. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> anyways, if you never watched Family Matters growing up, this means nothing to you, but... But that is a picture of the south side of Chicago from Lake Michigan, and that's the same font. Now, we are going to be talking for the next weeks about this idea that community matters. Community matters. We said last week that, that the Bible says in the book of Genesis, when God created man and put him in the middle of the most perfect place that humans have ever been in, when God put him, right in the middle of his garden, at, at, the, at the crowning moment of creation, God looks at all of it and says, it's not good for man to be alone. You're created for community. You're not created to isolate. And you heard me talk about it last week, that the word community has, for, for many years in, in the church in America, been something of a buzzword, and you know how much I hate buzzwords. But the reality is, we were built to interact with one another. And we'll talk about it in the coming weeks, but we'll, we'll look at verses like, like Ephesians chapter four, where it talks about how, how the body is joined and knit together by that which every joint supplies. Your life has a purpose in God's kingdom, and that purpose is dependent on you coming together and interacting with the rest of the body of Christ. We're, we only get to find out why we're here when we're all together, working together for the purpose of, of God's kingdom. Amen? So it's not good for us to be alone. Let's pray, and then we'll make our, our uh, confession that we like to make. But let's bow our heads in prayer for just a moment. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us yet again to come before your word. Lord, I pray that your word would pierce our heart with wisdom, with truth, with insight, with clarity, with revelation. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear today that we might know you in a greater way. 
that we might walk closer with you. We give you praise for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. If you would uh, put, the, put our confession up on the screen, we love to declare this out loud together and say this at the beginning of our, most of our, church, of our messages on Sunday mornings. Let's go ahead and declare this word out loud together. Say, thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Are you growing in the things of God this morning? Amen, I believe you are. So community matters. We're going to learn over the next, like I said, however many weeks it takes, what community life is supposed to look like from the example set out by the early church. I told you last week that there are 10 things that, that are identifiable easily in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42 and going down through verse 47. We'll read that in just a second. But there are 10 things that come out of that, ver- of that passage of verses, and, uh, and I'm just going to give them to you real quickly, and then we'll spend the next several weeks unpacking them. But there are 10 things for us to notice. Number one, the preaching of the word. Number two, fellowship. Number three, eating and breaking bread together. Number four, prayer. Number five, reverence for God. Number six, miracles. Number seven, radical generosity. Number eight, contentment. Number nine, favor. And number 10, growth and salvations. Those are the 10 things that jump off the page as we read Acts chapter 2. So let's go to, let's go to chapter 2. And let's read, beginning in verse 42, and we'll read five verses total, down through verse 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles'. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold all their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved." Now, again, there's 10 things that jump off the page as you read through those five verses that are hallmarks of strong, healthy, godly Christian community within the context of the local church. The first one should come as no surprise to us, and it's from verse 42. It says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The early church began in the apostles' doctrine. That means simply this, that they were exposed to the preaching and teaching of God's word. They were exposed to the preaching and the teaching of God's word. It doesn't come as a surprise to me that this detail is mentioned first in this passage. The value of God's word cannot 
be overstated. Amen. That's a good place to say amen. (laughs) The value, do we love God's presence? Of course. Do we love joy? Of course. Do we love peace? Of course. Do Do we love favor? Of course. Do we love breaking bread together? Of course. Do we love fellowship? Yeah, we love all this stuff. But first and foremost, we cannot overstate the importance or value of God's word as the centerpiece and the foundation of all that we do when it comes to church and church life. And really and truly, Christianity. What would our Christianity be without God's word? I can tell you, it wouldn't be. I always find it so interesting that people, they get saved and, they, and the, the excitement of their salvation experience begins to wear off and they begin to just, you know, get more and more casual about God's word to the point that the word doesn't mean as much to them anymore. And I think, how silly is that? You're, 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 you're disregarding the foundation that you stand on. You wouldn't know Jesus if it wasn't for his word. Amen? You wouldn't know the hand of God if it wasn't for the word of God. We wouldn't know the spirit of the Lord or the presence of the Lord without the word of the Lord. It's the starting point. God's word, no matter what context you deliver it in, is the basis for all healthy and sound life. I want to repeat that. And if you're taking notes, do your best to write it down. God's word, no matter what context you deliver it in, meaning no matter what environment it goes into, No matter what context the word is delivered in, it is the basis for all healthy and sound life and living. In fact, I have a tendency to believe that the more contrary the environment is, the more the word is efficacious and effective. In other words, the darker the darkness, the brighter the light shines. You can take God's word into the most devastating situation and fully expect that the word will do what only the word of God can do. Amen. So no matter what the context is, God's word is the basis for all healthy and sound life. Let me give you several verses. I'm going to give you six verses real quickly about God's word and about why his word is so important. Number one, John chapter one, verse one says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. God and his word are inseparable and completely entwined. You cannot have God apart from having his word. And can I tell you this? You cannot have his word without having him. To bring God's word into a situation is to bring God into that situation. Stop and consider that for just a moment. What does John 1, 1 say? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. To have God's word on a matter is to have God on that matter. (laughs) So many people, so many Christians do their hardest work trying to combat the enemy and trying to figure out and fix their situation and they're like shadow boxing. When really all they need is to take God's word and bring his word into that situation and into that battle that they're fighting. God and his word are inseparable and completely entwined. Psalm 119 verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. 
What does that mean? It means God's word is the final authority. Hallelujah. God and his word are inseparable and completely entwined. Number two, God's word is the final authority in life. Amen. Long after, listen, long after heaven and earth fade away, we're still going to have his word. Number three, God's word is alive. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says this, the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. God's word is not a dead thing that was written some centuries and millennia ago. This is the living word of the living God. And there's life in this living word for you and your life. Oh, hallelujah. Ah, you'll, You'll believe it by the time this message is over. Amen. God's word is alive. Isaiah 40 verse 8, God's word is eternal. It says, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God endures forever. Woo! Oh, man, listen. This word's still going to be true. No matter what happens on Wall Street, no matter what happens in the White House, no matter what happens in some other nation, no matter what happens in some conflict, no matter what happens with the economy, no matter what happens in your house, this word is eternal. This word is unchangeable. This word is immutable. This word will be here long after you and I are gone. Hallelujah. Why, why is that so important? Because you can put your trust in stuff that doesn't change. You can put your trust in things that don't change. And there's only one thing that doesn't change. It's God's eternal word. Romans 1.16, God's power to save and redeem comes from his word. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For in it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel, the word, the preached word of the living God contains within it all the power necessary to completely recreate the human spirit. Man, you don't need to add nothing to God's word and you can get saved. You don't have to add anything to God's word and you can get delivered. You can get free. Maybe you're tied up in bondage. Maybe you've been addicted to something for your whole life and you're like, I don't know how to get free. All you need is God's word and it has everything in it necessary to completely free you. Finally, Psalm 119, verse 105, God's word is the source of direction for our lives. David says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And guess what? There's a thousand more God's word is in the Bible. I mean, it's comfort, it's healing, it's deliverance, it's joy. Everything that you need is in the pages of this precious, precious, precious book. So when we, when we talk about the early church and we talk about what healthy community actually looks like, we, we would be remiss to not talk about God's word because it is the basis for everything that we're talking about. Amen. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and put our eyes on it again. It says, they continued steadfastly. Everybody say steadfastly. Steadfastly. 
steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. I want to take just a moment to talk about what a steadfast uh, commitment looks like. Can I challenge you for a minute? Anybody? Thank you. One person. Anybody else want to be challenged in here this morning? Amen. Leave me alone, preacher. I'm comfortable. No. (laughs) No, let 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 me take a moment and challenge you with this word steadfastly. The word continue, the two words, continued steadfastly, is one word actually in the Greek, and it's the word proskartereo. Proskartereo. It's a compound of two words, the word pros meaning to or toward, and the word kartereo meaning strong, robust, tough, solid, or heavy duty. Combined, this is what it means a strong, solid, never give up type of leaning towards something. When it says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, this is what that commitment to God's word looks like, a strong, solid, never give up type of leaning towards something. Dr. Rick Renner has this to say about the Greek word proskartereo. He says, it pictures a person who wants something so fiercely that he is leaning forward toward that object, pressing toward it, devoted to the goal of obtaining it, and busily engaged in activities that will bring the object of his desire to him. Can I read that one more time? It's a a mouthful, isn't it? This word, steadfast, It pictures a person who wants something so fiercely that he's leaning forward toward that object, pressing toward it, devoted to the goal of obtaining it, and busily engaged in activities that will bring the object of his desire to him. I want to ask you a very serious question, and I want you to take serious, I want you to seriously consider the answer. When was the last time you had that kind of commitment to God's word? When was the last time you pressed for his word? I think when I I read this, I I immediately thought in my mind of like track and field and an Olympic sprinter. What do Olympic sprinters do at the finish line? They do this. That's what they do. They, They... they, 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 they press towards the finish line. That's the picture of a heart that continues steadfastly in the word. When's the last time you pressed for God's word? When's the last time you pressed stuff out of your life to make time for his word in your life? When's the last time the, the, the temptation to binge watch whatever it is you like to binge watch. What if, what if, when's the last time you pressed through that temptation because the word of God meant more to you? Amen. Be like a, be like a runner and continue steadfastly in the word. Amen. Now, let's continue, because it goes on to say, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. 
What does the scripture mean when it says the apostles' doctrine? What do we mean by doctrine? People hear the word doctrine and based on their experience, they think various different things, right? People hear the word doctrine and based on their experience, they think of different things. Some find it to be a word which represents something crusty and old and religious and unnecessary. Don't talk to me about doctrine. I'm a Holy Ghost guy. Almost as though if we're talking about doctrine, we've somehow left the Spirit of God behind somewhere. That's not true. Some assume that doctrine is is some official leather-bound book that a denomination printed at some point in time. This is our doctrine. Others assume that its meaning involves something more technical. The doctrine is the, the technical aspects of Scripture, like, like, like exactly how many days did Paul stay in Ephesus? Or, or why, why did David gather five stones when he only needed one to kill Goliath? I've heard messages preached on that. I really have. And there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of people think that's what doctrine is. You know, why did, why did David take five stones when he only needed one? Or, 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 or how many angels does it take to change a light bulb? These are doctrinal things, sir. These are, these are technical, doctrinal. It's none of that. And it's all of that at the same time. The word doctrine most simply means teaching. Teaching. I, I want us to take doctrine and put it in its rightful place today. That is not to exalt it above or to diminish it beneath but for us to understand exactly what doctrine is, why it's so important, and let it be in its rightful place in our minds. The doctrine, the word doctrine, most simply means teaching. But more than just teaching, doctrine represents the teaching upon which we build our spiritual lives as Christians. Doctrine can be summed up, listen to this, doctrine can be summed up as the teaching which determines what I believe. The teaching which determines what I believe is the doctrine that I hold to. And since how I live is based on what I believe, then this idea of doctrine is pretty doggone important. Amen. Since since how I live is based on what I believe, then what I believe is important. So what my doctrine is, is actually very important. Amen. When's the last time you checked to see if what you were being fed was healthy? Amen. Last night, is that what you said? That's awesome. That's so awesome. When's the last, listen, we get too passive about this stuff sometimes. We really do. We get too passive. Sometimes we, we treat church like it was a fast food restaurant, you know. Don't tell me what's in it. Just feed me. Come on, I'm in the drive-thru. I paid, my, I paid my six bucks. I want my cheeseburger. Come on, let's go. Hurry up. Got places to be. Got Netflix series to binge watch. Let's go. Come on. Now, give me something good that makes me feel good, that tastes good, that, you know, yeah, I want it. Come on, give it to me. Come on, preacher. Tickle my ears. 
You remember, what, you remember when Paul said that to Timothy? He said, there's going to come a time when, when men will have itching ears. And they, will, and they will just desire whatever only makes them feel good, whatever only encourages them and scratches their ears. Preacher, preacher, scratch my ear. Tell me what I want to hear. When's the last time, when's the last time that we actually treated the word of God and the doctrine that we were receiving and and, and tested it based on its nutritional value to our spirit? I'm going to just compare the word for a second to food so that you can can wrap your mind around how important this is. You know, when we preach, I want to encourage you in, in something. When we preach and we talk about things here at church, don't just take my word for it. Look to the scriptures. Look to the scriptures. And if you have questions, ask. I promise you, I'm not going to be offended. Maturity doesn't mind scrutiny. And the longer I pastor and the older I get and the more I walk with the Lord, the more I love chewing on the word together with God's people. So if you have questions, man, just ask. Don't just take my word for it. What does the word say? Come, let us reason together. Let's go to the word. Let's go to the Bible together. Let's continue steadfastly in some good, healthy doctrine. Why? Because I want you to live right. I want your family to work the way it's supposed to. I want your kids to love you and respect you for the parent that you are. I want your marriage to be healthy. I want your mindset to be accurate to the word of God. I preach the way that I do because I want you to live the life God's called you to live. That when you and I get to the end of this life and we individually stand before God, that we'll be able to say, Lord, we did the best with what you gave us. And and, and look, look, we, we were taught good doctrine, so we believed the right way. Amen. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says this. For many of you, this will be familiar. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let's have that up on the screen if we could. Second Timothy three verse 16. Let's just read it together. This is amazing. All scripture, look at this, all scripture, every ounce of what's in here, every word, every syllable, every vowel, every verb is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for what? Doctrine. First thing, once again, not surprised at the priority here. Inspiration here, are you familiar with this word inspiration in the Greek? Any Bible nerds out there? It's the word pneumatikos in the Greek. We get the word pneumatic from it, pneumonia. It has to do with breath. What this scripture is is, is saying exactly is that all scripture is given out by the breath of God. All scripture is God-breathed. I think we've all been in places where we've experienced good doctrine and even some bad doctrine. By this scripture, based on this verse, what makes doctrine good? 
Let me ask that question. Let me answer that question with another question. What makes doctrine good? Did it come from his word? Because if it did, then according to this verse, God breathed it. If there's something that you're believing or something that you're, that's presented to you to believe, you ask yourself this question, did it come from God's word? Because if it came from God's word, if it came from scripture, then that means God breathed it, which means it's good doctrine. How about bad doctrine? How do we tell if doctrine's good or bad? Did it come from his word? If it came from somebody's blog? It might be good. It, it, it depends. Did it come out of his word first? If it came from your conversation around the coffee table, it might be good doctrine. It might be bad doctrine. How do we judge it? Examine it in light of the scripture. When you hear something, oh gosh, this is so, uh, this is almost too, too basic and too fundamental, but I have to say it because we need to understand these things. God breathed his word into the pages of this scripture, these scriptures. When we are reading and hearing these scriptures and when these scriptures are being taught to us, we can trust it if it comes out of the pages of these scriptures. Yes, humans wrote this stuff down, but make no mistake, it was God who breathed it. Amen. This is God's living word. All the stuff we said at the beginning, this is, this is eternal. This is powerful. This is living. This is sharp. I love that verse, that, that Hebrews 4, 12 verse. God's word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Do you know that God's word never gets dull? No matter how, how, how often it's used. Do you ever have a knife you had to sharpen because you used it so much that it got dull? No matter how often you use God's word, no matter how many times you go back to his word, it never gets dull. That's why I don't ever concern myself with trying to be relevant as a pastor. I don't need to be relevant. If I preach God's word, his word never gets dull. It will always be sharp in every situation. I don't have to tailor it to try to figure out how to make it relevant for the generation that I'm speaking to. No, if I just preach the word, the word does the work because it's already sharp and I don't need to add anything to it. We examine these things in the light of God's word. Because doctrine is so important. Are you with me? How many of you got 10 more minutes? Okay, 10, 20, 30, 40. Okay, very good. Boy, I haven't pulled that awful preacher joke out in quite some time. That's good. Because doctrine is so important and because teaching is so foundational to our lives, I will always value these two things in the teaching ministry of this church. Now, if you call Hope Church your home this morning, pay attention. 
Because doctrine is so important, because teaching is so foundational to our lives, I will always value these two things in the teaching ministry of this church. Number one, scripture over opinion. Amen. It's a great place to say amen. Scripture over opinion. Let's bring it back to the word. You should care more about what the word says about a subject than what I think about that subject. You should care more about what the word says about a subject more than you care about what you think about that subject. See, everybody wants the preacher to abandon his opinion, but nobody wants to abandon theirs. My opinion on Scripture is just as irrelevant as your opinion on Scripture. Jesus... God, the Holy Spirit, the Father, they didn't breathe this stuff out to try to conform to your ideas. Amen. Mine neither. So we're all in this together. So I'll always value these two things. Number one, scripture over opinion. Number two, substance over style. Substance over style. When style or preference comes first, usually what's lacking is nutrients. Listen, I grew up in a phenomenal church. I grew up seeing, I mean, my dad's a preacher. So I've been around preachers and preaching my whole life. And I'm telling you, I can hoop and shout with the best of them. Do y'all know what that means? Hoop and shout. <laughs> come here. Come help me. Come help me. You got, a, you got a B3 on there? All right. Let's hoop. Let's hoop for a second. <laughs> Give me A flat. Yeah, well, whatever key you want to play in, that's fine. A flat's good. I know you like A flat. Listen, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Watch this, watch this. You ready for this? This is a good example. You ready? Okay. By the way, I'm not knocking the B3 organ. The B3 organ is one of the most anointed things in this entire world. It really is. Just give me, give me something. Give me, give me a little something to start with. Yeah, just, just runs. Yeah, just give me, just give me a little basis to start, and then I'm a, I'm a preach nonsense for just a second. There it is. Hold on. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch, fetch a pail of water. Jack came down, broke his crown. Can anybody tell me what happened to Jill? Hey, hey, my God. Woo. That's hooping and hollering, but there's no substance in Jack and Jill. Come on. I want to tell you, this, we didn't plan this. This is totally off the cuff. He's good. Listen, what happens when style comes first 
is not nutritious. Because Jack and Jill, maybe they did go up a hill. Maybe they went to fetch a pail of water. But that's not going to help you when your marriage is falling apart. That's not going to help you when your kids are wiling out. Nutrition is serious. Doctrine is serious. Because it informs what we believe, which directly informs how we live. Scripture over opinion. Doesn't matter what I think. What's the Bible say? Doesn't matter what culture thinks. What does the Bible say? Doesn't matter what you think. What does the Bible say? And substance over style. Because nutrition's important. In closing, have you had fun this morning? Good. You know you can be funny in the pulpit and have fun. Jesus was the most fun guy. <laughs> I have to get rid of all mushroom jokes that just came into my mind there just for a second. I knew Gracie would be with me on that one. <laughs> Jesus was the most fun person. The Bible says that he had the oil of joy more than all of his contemporaries. Jesus was the most fun person to be around. That's why everybody wanted to be close to him, because he was filled with joy. So I like making you laugh when I preach, because you know why? If I can make you laugh a little bit, you'll lower your walls, and you might actually get some nutrition out of what I'm saying. As I close, I really, <laughs> I really like eating at, at <laughs> well, that's not even funny. <laughs> You're like, yeah, man, we know, okay? We got it. <laughs> hey, this shirt's a little looser than it was a couple weeks ago, so we're doing all right. No, listen, in, in closing, in closing, it's a little bit funny and it's a little bit serious. I, I love eating at, at high-end restaurants, if you ask my wife or any of my friends, people that know me well enough. No, I love to eat at high-end restaurants. Why? Because I'm bougie. <laughs> at least that's what people tell me I've been called bougie lately but listen, listen when you've had a filet mignon the corn dog in your cookout tray just doesn't seem quite as exciting I'm sorry that I can't get excited about the taquitos at the gas station have been bouncing around on those rollers for nine hours when you've had the best when you've had, when you've had a steak cooked to such perfection laid over a top of beautifully creamy mashed potatoes with a side of perfectly steamed asparagus in a beautiful restaurant surrounded by people who take their jobs seriously. It's just a little nicer than the McDonald's drive-thru. I love eating at high-end restaurants. Why? Because it feeds me in multiple ways. Number one, the food is real food. So I know that it's nourishing. Number two, the service is top shelf. So I know that I'm cared for. Number three, the atmosphere is excellent. So I'm able to let my guard down. And number four, the presentation is beautiful. 
I said just a moment ago that when style trumps substance, then there's no value to it. I'm not saying that style is wrong. I'm just saying that style can't be first. As your pastor, when I think about what a healthy church environment looks like, it's one where we together steadfastly are in pursuit of healthy doctrine. Healthy, healthy spiritual food. Spiritual food that is real, filled with nutrients, so it actually ministers to us. I I imagine a church life where the service is top shelf. Just like a fine dining restaurant. When you come through the doors at Hope Church, you're greeted promptly. You're taken care of. It becomes obvious from the moment that you walk in that you're cared for. A place where the atmosphere is excellent because it's the atmosphere of God's presence. And a place where the presentation of God's word is beautiful. I love when a plate comes to the table at the nice restaurant and it's a feast for the eyes before it's ever a feast in my mouth. I, I, I have devoted my life to making sure that you get great doctrine and that our church is a place where you can let your walls down, where the atmosphere is excellent, where you know that you're cared for and where you can trust the food that's being served to you every day. I'm not saying don't taste it first. I don't, I don't mind your questions. In fact, I, I love them. They make me think. It's great. There's, there's, there's people in this church that I've had conversations with. That we've chewed the word together for years. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I want you to know that when we, when, when we think about this church and how it's moving forward and what the vision that God has placed in our hearts is, when we think about that vision, we think about making sure that you get healthy, healthy doctrine. Because I believe that's the very first thing, it's the most important thing in healthy church community. Amen? Next week, we're going to talk about fellowship and breaking bread. And it's going to be super fun. You all right this morning? You love me? Good. I love you too. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. As we close today's service, I want to remind you of the opportunity to give and to tithe. We always do this at the end of the service, reminding you The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We believe that there's opportunity for us to give into God's kingdom, knowing that it's our way to honor him and perpetuate the gospel throughout our community and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So I want to encourage you in your giving today as we close. Visit hopeboon.com if you'd like to give online. If you'd like to give in person or by check, you can do that. In the back corner of the wall, we have a box that you can place your offering in. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to simply 
I I want you to ask yourself a question this morning. And that is, how can this word that I've heard today become more real to me? In fact, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to cause this word to come alive in our hearts so that this word is more real. So that this, so that this word can find its way into our hearts and develop roots and grow and become fruitful in our lives. I want you to just take a moment where you're standing just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you make this word come alive in me? Would you cause this word to be more real to me? Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to tell me in this word today? What are you, what are you speaking to my heart today, Lord? I believe that if you open your heart, God will speak to you. It's just like we sang this morning. We yield ourselves to God. We open our hearts to him and he speaks and he transforms us and he works in us. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, just ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you wanting to say to me from this? How can this word grow deep in my life? Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.